Okay, Isaiah 9, 2 to 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burnt as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it, with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore. The seal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Good morning. Let us pray. Father God, you meet us where we are. You know our struggles. You know our pains. And you are merciful and gracious. We gather here today to celebrate your mercy, your grace, your love. You are the creator and the king over all the earth and the universe. And we love you and we thank you. In Psalm 46, you tell us, be still and know that I am God. And Lord, we gather here today to hear your word. Let us have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe. In your holy name, amen. Buenos dias, familia. So I have some bad news and I have some good news for you. Bad news is I am get, just getting my voice back after a few days of uh, having a sore throat. The good news is you may be in for your, the shortest sermon of your life. So all God's people said, that was a test. You guys failed. <clears throat> I'm so excited to be uh, starting Advent with you today. Um, if you are new to the Grove or if you're new to Advent, uh, Advent, as we said at the beginning, is a season that we are very intentional in slowing down. It's a season where um, we slow down to anticipate and to long for our coming Messiah. The time between the last prophecy in the Old Testament and when Jesus was born was a 400-year span. Now, I want you just to imagine that, that the Lord has been speaking to you as his people. And he's been saying, hey, I'm going to save you. I have somebody that's coming that's going to save you. And then there's dead silence for 400 years. In those 400 years, the people of God anticipated and longed for. And so we figuratively as a church journey with the people of God uh, in, in that time, expecting and waiting for the coming Messiah, all the while knowing the Messiah has been born, knowing that the Lord has come to save us. And we also anticipate his second coming. We anticipate uh, the return of Jesus when we will come back to earth and he'll make all things new, even you and even me. And so I'm so excited to get this journey started today. Um, our theme this year, as we said, is the light before Christmas. And you may be thinking, okay, well, um, that kind of sounds like like a really cheerful uh, theme, right? But 
what we are going to find today is that in order for, there to, for us to understand what this means, uh, we also have to understand that the starting place for us here in Isaiah is, is verse 2. And it is this land of deep darkness, but there's a great light for this land of deep darkness. Now, you may be thinking, Christmas and darkness, they don't really seem to go hand in hand. But if Thanksgiving was any indication to you, you know that even though there is jolly and even though that this is the most wonderful time of the year, we also have a lot of brokenness. You maybe had a little family drama. You had a little criticism on your food or uh, we had some people over at our house and it was just interesting to, to host uh, new friends uh, because I, so I fried a turkey and it got a little dark on me. Um, but we had somebody come in and, and uh, see the turkey and say, wow, you guys burned the turkey in this house. Yeah, it was first comment. And then at the end of the night, this new friend walks out with two plates from our house. So I thought, it's so interesting. You're coming in. There's a little bit of drama already. Like, you're criticizing my turkey, and then you like it, and you're going to take two plates with you. <clears throat> but what we find in this season is that it's the most wonderful time of the year, and yet sickness does not stop. Cancer does not stop. Death does not stop. Our brokenness, our drama does not stop. And so we are actually about to journey into some darkness. Um, there is a marketing group that anticipates you and I will be bombarded with four to 10,000 ads a day through your Netflix, through the radio, through your social media. You are about to find an increase in ads that are going to begin to sell you a story. They're going to begin to sell you a hope that if you get just the right gift, that if you have just the right food, that if you have just the right lights, that if, if, your, things, if, if uh, your meetings and your dinners work out just fine, you will be happy. You will experience the joy of the season. And what I want to present to you today is this tension that that's actually not the true hope. That's actually not the true light. And instead, that's actually darkness trying to creep into our hearts. That's darkness trying to fight for our affections. And so in this time and in this season, we will have to intentionally slow down. We will have to intentionally think about what the purpose and the reason of this season is. Because we may be journeying into this season thinking, I already know how this is going to go. I already know the gifts that my kids are going to want. I already know the family is going to come over and what they're going to say and what they're going to do. I already know how it's going to go. But what if we slow down and like the people of Israel anticipate and long for this coming Messiah to do something new, to do something beautiful in this season, in your home and in your heart? That's what we're going to discover in today's, in today's text. So let's get started here. Verse uh, 2 of chapter 9 of Isaiah. Isaiah speaking to Ahaz, and he says this, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Now, if you don't know the back story to this, Ahaz is the king of Judah. He's facing uh, an attack from Israel and Syria from the northern kingdoms. And he's tempted to have an alliance with Assyria, who at that time was known as the, known as the evil empire. And Isaiah is coming to Ahaz and saying, hey, brother, don't. Don't do it. Don't ally with the evil kingdom of the time because God has a great purpose for his people. God is actually going to be the one to save you. Do not align with the evil empire. And so he gives his word and acknowledges the place of the people. And he says, the people who walked in darkness. There's two realities that we face. One is that we walk in darkness and two is that we dwell in the diet of deep darkness. Now, what does it mean to walk in darkness? The words that the prophet chooses here for his oracle, for his hymn, 
are basically explaining to us that, that darkness is this reality, walking in darkness is this reality outside of God. It is the wickedness. It is misery, destruction, death. It is sorrow. It is the life of a person who has not seen or known God. And so walking in darkness isn't simply trying to find our way. We're trying to fumble through things. It is actually living as though God does not exist. Now, you may say, bro, that's kind of intense. I, I, surely I acknowledge God exists. Yes, but what lit, walking in darkness here is telling us is that you and I are actually enslaved in our hearts to this land of deep darkness. You and I have in our hearts an enslavement to this land of deep darkness. Now, you may have seen the movie The Dark Knight, and you know the character Bane, right? He's got his mask. And he says something in that in, in one of the scenes that I think is just kind of representative of what this is. And he says, oh, you think darkness is your ally. But you merely adopted the dark. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the light until I was already a man. By then it was nothing to me but blinding. Now we hear that and we think he's the villain in the movie. And yet if we look at this text and we're honest, we are all Bane. We were born and molded by the darkness. We were dead in our trespasses. And it took a savior to come to this world to rescue us from that darkness because this darkness enslaves our heart and it is deep inside of us. It is deep in the way that we live, in the way that we think, in the way that we act. And Isaiah is acknowledging that. He's bringing that to the front, forefront of, of our attention saying, hey, we walk in darkness. Now I want you to read Ephesians 5 with me. It's going to come up on behind me in the screen. This is Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus, and he says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, and take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. You may be saying, all right, bro, there's not that much darkness in my life. Like, I, I'm excited about Jesus being born. I'm excited about this season. I'm excited to celebrate the coming of the Messiah. But Paul has to remind the Ephesians that there is this tension in all of us, this tension to live in the unfruitful works of darkness. We don't realize the hold it has in our hearts, how enslaved we are by the land that we live in. And so he has to remind the Ephesians that, hey, Walk as children of light because there is this easy temptation to simply float and walk in this deep, deep land of darkness. And this is why Advent is so important. It's because it will help us slow down, not just to anticipate and long for the coming Messiah. It will help us slow down and understand and unearth the darkness, the deep parts of our heart that don't yet truly hope and long for Jesus. And so this darkness, Paul says, must be exposed. And you may be saying, well, how does this darkness look like in my life? Well, let me present it to you this way. The second part of this, he says, the people dwelt in a land of deep darkness. The term he uses for dwelling is abiding. is It's just this is where we simply reside. It's where we are. It is the shadow of death. The darkness he uses the second time is the shadow of death. Now, we, we think of shadows not as bad as darkness. If you're in a room that's completely pitch black, you know, you, you can probably get scared. You can kind of not know where to walk. But shadows aren't as intimidating. Shadows aren't as obvious. Shadows seem to be like, well, there's a little bit of light, so we can kind of see the road. But that's a trap. That's a trap for the believer. Why? Because the land of deep darkness yields misplaced hope. 
That's what the shadows are, is being people who have misplaced our hope on the things in this season that are not of God. Now, these are really good things that become ultimate things, really good things that become ultimate things. And so Isaiah is telling us the danger are these shadows. And as we are bombarded and sold this life of gifts and vacation, not bad things, He's telling us, be careful that these things don't creep into your heart and ultimately become your hope. Now, this is different for all of us, okay? Maybe for some of us, it started right after the Lord's team won on Thanksgiving Day. And you're probably wondering, who's the Lord's team? Cowboys, star Bethlehem on their helmet. So, um, so, but right after that, right, you have all these commercials going on. Lance alluded to this, right? We have Black Friday. We have this reality that, man, we we're being sold, hey, got to get this deal. You got to spend this money. I mean, I remember a few years ago before it was all digital, we would start lining up at the stores to get a TV, right, at midnight. And then it was 8 p.m. and then it was 6 p.m. And the next thing you know, we're not even having lunch on Thanksgiving because people are waiting in line for what's being sold to us as the joy of this season, and that's in all of us. If we don't realize that that's in all of us, we're expecting and longing for something. Or maybe it's something like this. Some of us in this room, and I don't judge you that much, have started decorating for Christmas since October. Okay? If you're in this room and you did that, um, I understand fiscally you want to enjoy your ornaments for a quarter of the year instead of one month of the year. Right? You're trying to maximize your investment. But I don't know that you've understood Advent, this longing, because you are wanting Christmas to be year-round. And Advent is actually the opposite. It's this time period of waiting and longing. And I want you to see this quote from a psychoanalyst that I found talking about this. He says that, that we are the people who are early decorators are motivated by nostalgia. And he says, in a world full of stress and anxiety, people like to associate to things that make them happy. And Christmas decorations invoke those feel strong feelings of childhood. And isn't it amazing? We ourselves create this stress and anxiety and allow it to infiltrate the most lit parts of our homes. This is a secular psychoanalyst talking about the people who want to decorate early because we want to relive this nostalgic moment that was happy for us when we were kids. And yes, as, as we journey through heaven, we're thinking back and we're journeying with the people of God who are expecting and longing for Jesus to come. But we're also expecting now a future hope, a greater hope, a greater joy that's to come to us. And if we are not careful, what he says here is, our motivator, our motivator to relive past joys will keep us from, re from living in true hope and in true joy and in true peace and in true love. So I, I don't judge you. These are all good things, decorations, gifts, vacation, all good things. But what if they, as shadows, may be stealing our true hope and our true joy? Well, the prophet tells us we're not simply left to walk in darkness. We're not simply left to dwell in darkness. No, he gives us this great hope. And he says this in same verse, verse 2. He says, those who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Praise the Lord that he does not leave us in the darkness and in the shadows. And in fact, he allows us to see a great light. But, but here, seeing the great light is not simply acknowledging its existence. It's not simply acknowledging that there is a light that is shining. No, the difference here is between a candle and a campfire. You can get close to a candle. You can say, hey, there's light here. I can see it. I can acknowledge it that, that is lighting up the room. But you get around a campfire, 
and it's different. You get around a campfire and you feel the warmth. You feel the heat. You feel it penetrate and radiate through your body. And that is what the prophet here is saying is that the people of God didn't just walk in darkness. Now they have seen a great light. They are experiencing a relationship with the light, with God himself. He is coming into them. He is penetrating the deepest parts of their hearts. And he is bringing to them hope and peace and joy and love. And that is what he is doing for you and for me in this season. And this is the reality that we come to before the Lord. And it is Colossians 1, 9. It's going to come up in the screen behind me. So let me just read it over you. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Check this out. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul speaking to Timothy here says that knowing God is relating with God, and ultimately that means living for God. It's not simply acknowledging his presence, but it's experiencing his presence in a way that shapes, forms, and transforms the way we live. Let me say that to you one more time. It's not simply acknowledging his presence, but experiencing his presence in a way that shapes, forms, and transforms the way that we live. So Paul says, hey, God has qualified you. He's made you sufficient, equipped you with the power to perform the duties of sharing the inheritance, the lot of the saints, the most holy things. That's you and that's me in light. And the word he uses for light here is to shine and to radiate. So as we journey through Advent and we begin to search our hearts for motivations, for longings, for hopes, for desires of this season, what we are being invited to here as children of the light is not to simply find our hope in the things that everyone around us finds their hope in. Instead, we're being invited to find our hope in the greatest hope of all. That's Jesus himself. And as we do that, we're able to expose the things that fight for our heart's affection, fight for our love, fight for our hope. And instead, we're now we're able to take as children of the light this hope of Jesus to our schools, to our jobs, to the Christmas parties, to all the places that we will journey through in the next few weeks. We will get to come to, as children who walk in the light and who radiate this light to the world around us. And why can we do this? Because we know, we know today that we have been rescued from the domain of darkness. We do not have to stay in darkness. We do not have to live in the shadows. We do not have to live in secrecy. No, we have the freedom to live and walk in the light because God has taken us out of this domain. He has brought us into a right relationship, into a right fellowship with him. And so seeing the light, it's not just observing it, but it's entering into a deep relationship with our Savior. So the light frees us to walk in truth and the, and the light also yields true hope. In the second part of that verse, you may be thinking, man, we're still in verse 2. Goodness, I thought you said it was going to be a short sermon. I promise, we're almost there. The end of verse 2, he says, those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them the light has shone. Now, when he says on them the light has shone, he is 
speaking to us, and he's saying to us, it's not just that we see this great light. No, there is this light from above that is being placed upon you, on top of you, so that you and I may be illumined, that we may awaken, that we may be able to see as enlightened people who God truly is. Our brother David in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 22, verse 29, he says, For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. See, David was a man after God's heart who was able to acknowledge that there was a deep darkness in his heart that only God, nothing else, no one else in this world could illumine. It was only God, and it was God the one who lightened his darkness. So David is able to acknowledge that personal reality that there is this darkness in us, that in this flesh we battle against day in and day out. And as we enter this season of Advent and we journey for the next four weeks towards Christmas, you and I will fight these challenges to want to absorb the world around us that's feeding us these ads, this hope found in the things, the temporal things of this world. But David is saying, Lord, you are the light in my darkness. So what if you and I, or people that journey through Advent with a deeper hope, beyond the things that we're going to get to enjoy, like good food and good gifts and vacation and all the things that come with Christmas, decorations, all the beautiful things of this season. But what if in this season God will do something new in you and in me? What if in this season he will awaken our hearts to live as men and women of light who shine this light to the world around us, who are are, are faking many times, being happy, who are buying all the things, doing all the things, and at the end of the day are lonely, are sad, are depressed, are full of anxiety. If you don't think that that's true, you don't have to go very far. Just look around you and reach out to a coworker, reach out to a friend and ask them, how are you really doing in this season? See, as men and women of light, we get to bring a hope that goes far beyond the things that we find in this world. And so the great light yields true hope. And how can we do this practically? It's quite simple. Psalm 119, your 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, the Lord doesn't leave us to ourselves. He has given us the great light in Jesus. He has given us the great light in Jesus, our Savior. But he's also left the word of God to be a light to our feet, to our path, to our journey. So grab the Advent devotional. Take time during the season to slow down, to go to God's word, to be with God's people, to remember the purpose of this season is not simply all the things that we will encounter over the next few weeks, but it's actually remembering our greater hope, and that is Jesus. And in order to do that, we have to intentionally slow down. We have to stop and pause and understand the words of God in in the Bible that remind us that our hope is Jesus. And so we'll end here in verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah. He says this to Ahaz. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, he will do this. So how can we live as children of the light? It's quite simple. It's taking these four things that Isaiah points out to us about this baby that will come to save us. First one is this. He is our wonderful counselor. 
if you've ever thought, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what to do in this circumstance. You have no idea. I am drowning, and I have no idea what to do with what I have. Isaiah is saying to us, that's okay. You don't need to know what to do because there is a wonderful counselor ready to give you wisdom. The word for wonderful here is, is not of this world. He's going to give us a wisdom that's beyond anything we can find in this world. And he, that Savior, is near you in this season. So maybe you don't know what to do. It's okay. We find it here in the word. We find it in community. We can find it in this season. He is our wonderful counselor. He is the mighty one, the son, the victorious hero, the king of kings, the Lord of Lord. He has come to us. We didn't go to him. In this season, we remember that the Lord has always been the one to come to us. And that's a beautiful reality that we can live, that even though you and I in this season will run, not consciously, but we'll run from him to other lesser things like ourselves, like hope in ourselves, like the hope of the things of this world, he has come to us, the mighty one, the mighty God. He's also our everlasting father. His divine love and care will be with you and with me through this season. Whatever you find yourself in, you're not alone. He is near you, and he's given the people of God to be near you so that you may experience this divine love and care, even through the most jolly season that we all know is full of brokenness. And finally, he is the prince of peace. The word for peace here is not simply the absence of, of war or, or, or tension. He, the, the word for peace here is one of wholeness and harmony and completion. What if in this season we found wholeness, harmony, completion? Beyond the gifts that we'll find that are going to bring a lot of happiness to us in a night, what if in this season as we submit and turn to God and to his word and to his people, we find harmony, completion, and wholeness for our, for our lives. That's the gift that we have before us in this season. So let me challenge you then as children of light to take Advent as an opportunity to find your deepest longings, bring them before the Lord, and discover that he is the only one that can meet those deepest longings. Let's slow down. Be aware that we will be bombarded with the shadows of this world, things that seem really good and yet will distract us from the home we have, hope we have in Jesus, and instead turn to him, trust him, love him, enjoy him, slow down enough to anticipate the joy that comes with his birth. And on Christmas Day, rejoice as those whose hope has been met with the birth of the baby in the manger. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that even though we've walked in darkness, that we uh, dwelt in darkness, that we were children molded by the darkness. You did not leave us there. No, your love for us was so great that you sent your son to live a sinless life, to die on a cross, to take a punishment that he did not deserve, so that today we may have peace with you and peace with one another. We're grateful, Father God, that <clears throat> as we enter this season, you awaken us to the reality that we will be tempted to hope in ourselves. We will be tempted to hope in the things around us. But your invitation is far greater. Your invitation is far greater because the hope that you give us is an eternal, everlasting hope in Jesus Christ. He is 
our wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is our Father and our everlasting Prince of Peace. And so I just pray that as we enter this season of Advent and we journey the next few weeks, that you'd still our hearts, that you'd show us what a deeper relationship looks like, and that we would be men and women who walk as children of the light, presenting this light to this world around us, to this land around us that is in deep darkness. Let us love you and love one another well, and let us bring this hope and this light to the world around us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.